Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity uh, to speak your word. And I just pray that you would be with me and with the congregation. Let us give ourselves over to you for this next time. And I pray that you speak through me, and I pray that you'd, you'd give me something to say that's worth hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, as you may have gathered, I'm not the normal guy. And so what that means, that now I'm in charge for the next... <laughs> We'll see how long we can make this go. Um, so if you're new, please come back next week um, after, um, or the week after, after uh, I've spoken. Uh, don't give up. And if you're not new, then also please come back next week. Hopefully I don't lose you all. Um, I have to say, I was not really excited about the topic, which is uh, here. This is what Alan gave me. He said, hey, I'd love to, for you to preach on the social media meltdown. And I thought, well, that's odd because I don't really use social media. So it's kind of like having someone who's deaf preach on noise pollution or maybe because I'm sort of in um, you know, one end of the spectrum. Maybe it's like having someone who's in the oil and gas industry preach on um, environmental regulations or something. It's going to be one perspective. But I did think about it a lot. And I talked to several people, um, young, younger people. And, uh, and I realized that social media is actually something that I interact with quite a lot, as it turns out, and um, I think it's definitely worth, worth a conversation and worth a topic. So I uh, <laughs> struggled. I, I got out, I actually left it on the dining room table. I thought it would be a good visual aid, but you know, when you prepare a sermon, I'm, I tend to do much better with expository preaching, where you take a, some Bible piece and you kind of tear it apart and you go into it. And so I got my, my uh, Wayne Grudem systematic theology out, and you go in the back and you look in the index, it's about this thick. Um, and you look up Twitter and there's nothing. You're just, you're, kind of, you're just kind of on your own. And so this will be kind of a challenge, but I'll do my best to bring a Christian perspective to this. And so I think we can probably cover this in, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds. We go to the next slide. Not a whole lot more to say about this, right? I think we can just kind of agree. Uh, we can all get out early today, um, but that's not fair. And it's actually, it's not true. So let's try that again, the next slide. Not quite so much. There are good things and there are bad things about social media, and I'm going to cover them both, and I'm going to start with good things, because we always like to start on the positive note. Social media, <laughs> um, social media gives us the opportunity to do something we've never been able to do before, opportunities we've never had. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute. Weren't there social media in your day and age, my day and age, when I, was, when I was a youth? Wasn't there something called social media in your day? Didn't we just, you know, aren't we just have new stuff now? It's, there's always been social media. And that's kind of true, and so I'll go through a little bit of that, just to sort of ground what we're talking in. Social media has been long, around for a long, long time. It starts back probably about 2,500 years ago with um, King Cyrus of Persia, who decreed that, there's another slide. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, nope, keep going. There we go. Um, who decreed that there should be a way for people in his kingdom to get packages to each other everywhere. And not only that, but he also decided that we should enter into partnerships or treaties with other nations and so that we could actually send mail around the whole Middle East. So that was the first guy. Um, the first time that people, the average person, had been able to reach out and actually send something to someone else 2,500 years ago. That stayed pretty much the same for the next, oh, back, back, back. <laughs> okay, we'll stop there. Um, you know, about 
oh, 2,000 years later, we got Gutenberg's printing press. And um, so it took 2,000 years to kind of improve upon mail. Uh, and then about 400 years after that, we got the telegraph. And then 40 years after that, we got the telephone in 1876. Nope, nope, not done yet. <laughs> I'll call for it. <laughs> That's good. Um, so this was our social media. This was my social media growing up. Now notice, the social media that I had growing up when I was in high school was already over 100 years old. Like this was, this was the height of the technology then, and that's actually what the phone looked like. Uh, mine was beige, but same idea. Had the little rotary dial, you dialed with sparks by pulling your finger around the dial. And if you had a lot of nines in your phone number, it was really bad because it took forever to dial the phone number. Um, there was this cord, and I had a little video, but I couldn't really get it to work, but of someone being yanked off their feet by a, by a phone cord. So you were always constrained by walking around with these cords. But the most interesting thing is that there was one phone in the house. There might be more, actually more than one phone, but there was one phone line in the house, and that's if you didn't have a party line, where there are multiple houses on the same line. And what that meant was that it's hard to describe to the current generation what it would mean to have one phone in the house. And it's kind of like, I was trying to like a television, no, it's kind of like the refrigerator. So imagine you've got a refrigerator, but you can't open the refrigerator if someone else in your house is eating or drinking anything. And so you come home from work and you're or school and you're really hungry and you come in and oh, there's someone sitting at the table and they're starting to eat and you're like, oh, when, when will you be done? Oh, well, we just started in half an hour. I don't know. And you just got to just got to wait. So the phone was interesting. If you had someone call you and you were on the phone, there was no voicemail. There wasn't even call waiting. You'd get a busy signal. And not only would you get a busy signal and be like, well, I guess I'm just not going to talk to them today. Um, but the person who you were calling never got known, never got a notice that you had actually tried to reach out to them. It was very, very async. Well, it was very frustrating. So this is what we had. Um, oh, and the, the last thing, of course, is that this would be being one phone in the house. That meant that if I wanted to, <clears throat> if there was someone I liked, let's say Mary, and I wanted to chat with her, I'd have to call her house at like nine o'clock. And no doubt her father was going to answer and say, <clears throat> yes, you know, uh, sir, is um, Mary around? And it's nine o'clock, you know, and you'd go through this whole, well, you know, I have a question about my math homework. All right, well, I'll give you five minutes. It was a very, very awkward thing. And, and by the way, when the phone rang, you were always afraid people were asleep because there was actually a bell in here. It wasn't sort of this warble. It was a literal bell that clanged, and it was designed specifically to get your attention from another room. So it was very, very loud. So anyway, this was the social media technology that I had to avail myself of. But it's true, we had our own social media technology. All right, next slide. Moving on, then we had the Apple II computer, and then we actually had uh, email coming around around 1983. That was a big deal. I remember I went to a training class in college to learn to use email. I got a t-shirt that said I survived Athena survival. Um, it was a big deal, uh, and then that was kind of, well, who do I send email to? Because the only people who have email are my friends here in the college. So that went on until, next slide, something happened in, in the 90s where we had the World Wide Web start. And then AOL brought everyone onto the internet. That was a big deal. We'll talk more about that later. Finally, we're where we are now, which is this explosion of suddenly these new technologies that allow us to communicate very quickly and easily with each other. And notice that most of these have happened in the last 10 years or so. So these are all kind of new compared to the 100 years that I had to wait to get something better than a telephone. We've got these things coming out every year. So back to the side of these opportunities that we never had. 
So yes, we had opportunities we never had. We had the opportunity to interact in real time with people who were far away. Not like in the telephone, but in a very, very different way. So, we can reach people that we couldn't reach before. One way, we, um, one way that that's important is that there's this thing called real-time reporting of events. So if we're in Syria and we see the government shelling some hamlet, we can actually talk about it. We can tweet about it, we can report on it on Facebook, we can stream it. And it's hard for people to actually pretend that it didn't happen then. So instead, it makes it much more difficult for people to control the news. So that's a really good thing. Very difficult to suppress. Other opportunities we have are to reach people we couldn't effectively reach. My generation is the, they say, is going to be the only generation to go through this experience of losing touch of a lot of people when you graduate from high school and all of a sudden finding them again many, many years later. Current generations graduating from high school and college do not have to face that. You'd never have to lose track of people that you don't want to. I actually just two weeks ago had a conversation with a friend of mine from high school who I had not spoken to in 18 years. And that was because there was a death in the family and you know, we ended up getting in contact because of that. But that kind of thing is not gonna happen in this generation. So you can reach people that you couldn't reach before and you can stay in contact with people that you do know. So my wife and I met, um, we went to dinner for the first time together. It was a great dinner. Um, and then I left for sea about two or three weeks later. I was in the Navy and I left and I was deployed for about seven months in the middle of the ocean on a ship with 5,000 of my closest friends. And there was no way, there was no phone, there was no email, there was no Instagram or chat or um, nothing of it. So what there was was letters. And there's a great story about how we use letters and tapes and all the rest of this stuff. But that's not something that can happen. When I went back to the Navy as a reservist years later, there's email. My wife and I are chatting all the time. It's a completely different experience. So these are all good, good things. Opportunities we've never had. We can not only stay in contact with people we know, but we can put people into the moment, into our moments, specifically. That is, I was on a trip recently, well, a year ago, and I got this odd, it was called a German baby, it was my breakfast, and, and I thought, that, well, that's really odd. I took a photograph of it, and I sent it to a German man that I know. I said, do you know what this is? And I was like, oh, sure, it's a German baby. You, know, you can actually pull people into your lives in a real and immediate way, which is kind of cool. You can get an instant response. And this is actually, this is actually more important than you think. And I talked about, oh, you know, you, get, you call someone, you get a busy signal, you can't talk to them. And things are a little different. Um, so I know someone who was going through a very difficult time some years ago. And they decided they wanted to do something drastic and permanent to fix their situation. And so they made their plans and they did. And they took their actions. And then they went onto social media to a group where no one actually knew each other in real life, but they told people what they had done or they sent that out into the void. As it turns out, and this is very much God working through the world, there was someone up at that time who saw the message and realized that though no one had ever met in real life, they actually knew someone in common with this person. And I'm not going to go through the whole chain of events, but there were some email messages, I'm sorry, there were some phone calls, there were some people who had hand, handily had phone numbers handy. Um, and within literally minutes of that action being taken, there were people in real life intervening. And within minutes after that, that person was in a hospital. And, and because of this, 
their life was forever changed. The story doesn't actually end there. As it turns out, some years after that, the person was, that same person was in a um, social media session and someone else was telling them that they were looking at doing something drastic and permanent. And that person was able to reach out to them and in real time and spend time with them, talking to them, chatting with them, basically talking them off the ledge. This ability to communicate with people. And so social media has, <laughs> in this case, altered if not preserved two lives. So the ability to reach out to people that you don't know and have an immediate interaction can be an incredibly positive thing, which God can use in incredible ways, which in this case he did. I do not want to ever say that social media is a bad thing, and you shouldn't either. These things could not have happened otherwise. There are people who would not be alive today, but for their relationships with social media. There are people whose lives would be forever changed. It cuts the other way as well, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But there is the possibility and the potential to do enormous good with social media. I don't want to lose track of that. So there are good things. There are also bad things. So let's go back to that first slide. There are opportunities we never had before to interact in real time with people who are far away, one-on-one -on -one or in person. Nope, can you keep going? <laughs> one more slide. There we go. But here's the thing. You don't have to be accountable to them. You don't have to know who they are. You don't have to understand them. You don't have to be able to evaluate them. So next slide. This is all done in a, in a vacuum. This is all, can all be done in a place where you don't have any idea who people are. So it makes it kind of easy to behave badly or to be taken advantage of. And so there are some major issues I want to talk about with social media. And in no particular order, and I tried to order these, but I kept changing it around so we get what we get. Um, the issues that I want to talk about today are time, the echo chamber effect, toxicity, anonymity, what I'm going to call our Achilles heel, and then isolation. These are very real things that we need to be paying attention to and wary of with social media. So we're going to start with time. Time is the only one, is the one thing that people can't buy. When you've used it, it's over. When, you've, when your life is done, it's done. You don't get more. Well, Christians believe you do, but you, even Christians believe you don't get more here. It's a different, it's the, the rope analogy that Alan was using later. Um, you have this opportunity here on earth to do what God has put in front of you. Speaking for myself, I waste most of it. I suspect most of us do. Um, I'd like to say that I spend my time when I can deepening my relationship with God, focusing on that. I don't. I get home from work and I'm tired and I'll watch television. I'll talk with my wife, which is quite valuable. Or I'll maybe do some math puzzle or something, try and keep myself interested. Do I read the Bible every night? No, absolutely not. Um, next slide. Rick Warren says, here's how you know it's really important to people. Look at their calendar and look at their bank statements. Basically, where people are spending their time, that's what they're interested in. So if you find yourself spending a lot of time on social media, I would say that is what's important to you. I know someone who spends three or four hours and who will happily tell me that they spend three to four hours a night reading political blogs. That is what they're interested in. Where you put your time 
is where your interest is where your true interests lie. You should think about where you want your true interests to lie. So we go to the next slide. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. God has a plan for you. He has things he wants you to do. And I'm not saying that he never wants you to look at a cat video, but I am saying that he has a broader plan. No, I'm serious. I'm not. You know, humor is good. It's all great. But he has a plan for us. He has things he wants us to do. And then we say, now today or tomorrow, I'm going to do this here. We do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Where's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We need to take advantage of the time that God has give us, given us. Because we can't get any more of it. The next slide, please. They say that no one ever dies saying, wishing that they spent more time at work. I think it's also true. I don't mean to be glib here, but I think it's probably true that no one's going to die thinking, oh, you know, on their deathbed, if I only could see one more ultimate fail video, I could like go peacefully. It'll be great. You know, like it's all I'm laughing, too, but it's true. We spend our times. We tend to fur away our time in dissipation. The question is, how much of my time am I willing to spend, my short period on earth, catching up on news about people I've never even met or not going to meet? So, time. Let's talk about the echo chamber and the echo chamber effect. So an echo chamber, of course, is when you surround yourself with people who are just telling you what you already want to hear or what you've already said yourself. So I believe this. So next slide, please. So I believe... Um, this thing, so I'm going to go to a website or a uh, chat forum or something where people are going to agree with me, and we're just going to talk all day long about these things. So actually, I asked the person who spends three to four days or three to four hours a day in political blogs, well, wow, that's a lot of time. So do you like read all of different blogs, you know, different sites, different, you know, and, and they are very much at one end of the political spectrum. And I said, do you go to the other end of the political? And their answer was, oh, God, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I get all of that during the day. This is, you know, I spend that time really focused on you know, my, my, my tribe, my people. Okay, so that's an echo chamber. If you go online, you can find people who will agree with you about pretty much whatever you say. So there's a lot of Bible verses about counsel. Let me go to the next slide, please. Um, I'm not even going to read all these. I'm going to try, but I'll just read a couple. Where there's no guidance, people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there's victory. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man is he who listens to counsel. I love this one. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. This really strikes me as uh, pretty apropos to what we're talking about. I want to say something very clear. When, when God's talking about getting counsel, and people will say, well, I get counsel. I spend four hours a day on, on political sites. I, I get counsel all the time. I talk with people all the time. Next slide. God is not talking about Finding people who agree with you. That is not called counsel. That is called affirmation. I can find people who agree with everything I say, or at least most of the things I say, and we can talk about how right I am and how right they are all day long, and that is not counsel. Counsel is finding someone who is ideally smarter and wiser than you, but at least as smart and as wise as you are, and who will challenge you with thoughts that you haven't had and make you consider, well, maybe, huh, maybe I should think about this a different way. That is counsel. In the Bible, uh, next slide, the Bible, when it's talking about seeking out counsel, it's not talking about affirmation. It is saying, find counsel. Counsel leads to understanding. 
which leads to wisdom. Proverbs says, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So, I want to be clear, echo chambers are not counsel. Echo chambers are self-gratification. Okay. We'll move on to toxicity. And I don't know, there is so much to say on toxicity. I struggled very hard with this. What do you say? Um, why is it that so much of social media seems to be toxic? There's a lot of theories on this. Um, someone has said to me that social media is really useful when you're far apart for keeping you in touch. When you get closer, it becomes more problematic. That is, people start using social media in a different way when they're not communicating over a distance. Words are cheaper in social media, and I think it's interesting when you think about Twitter, which was introduced, well, it was built in like 2006. It was actually introduced widely at South by Southwest in 2007, and the usage in that week tripled. Because all of a sudden, and, and what they were promoting it as was a way of keeping in touch and collaborating with people. So you're at South by Southwest, and you maybe there with six people, and you all get on your, you all follow each other, and one of you can say, hey, I'm hankering for some Chinese, and there's a P.F. Chang's a block away from the convention center. How about we meet there at 6? And someone else can reply and say, oh, well, I'm in a session until 6.30. Can we meet at 6.35 or 6.40? And you can have the session really collaborate very efficiently with each other. That's what it was designed for. What it has turned into over the time, over the last 10 years, is something very, very different and very, very toxic often. And I'm, you know, I had a slide up there where I had all these tweets about, but we all know what they are. And I don't mean to, you know, people will look at tweets and say, oh, I know who tweeted that. That's not fair. You know, so I, I don't even want to get into that. But I think we can all agree that social media and specifically Twitter and uh, real-time interactions have become very, very toxic. I'll go to the next slide. Well, got some very specific opinions on toxicity and dealing with people and speaking to people. The ones that caused me pause. Um, I tell you on the Day of Judgment, People will give account for every careless word they speak. Well, that's not a day I'm looking forward to. I've spoken some careless words in my life. Um, the internet has made that truer than ever. We don't even have to wait for the day of judgment. So uh, Harvard University just rescinded the acceptance of uh, Kyle Kashev, who was one of the survivors of the Parkland shooting in Florida and who then went on and applied to Harvard and he became a sort of speaker about gun violence and uh, applied to Harvard and got in <laughs> until um, some tweets that he had posted in the past, uh, four years earlier, popped up and people started sending him to Harvard saying, this is the person you just admitted and Harvard rescinded his resignation or his acceptance. The things you say matter and they last. They've always mattered and they've always lasted to God. Now they matter and they last to people here on earth. And I think it's important to remember. You've heard the, um, this is from Jesus speaking. Do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But if anyone who says you fool will be subject to the fire of hell. That is, God considers character assassination just as bad as murder. I've tried to teach my kids and I think I have. Um, you say things to your friends or your parents, and you can't really unsay them. You may say something in anger, and then later say, oh, I didn't mean it. 
and you didn't, and they know you didn't, and that's all fine, but you still said it. And there's still that memory of, the, of them hearing it. And that can be difficult. So, toxicity, I don't, again. I'm just gonna move on from that. To anonymity. So why are people toxic? Well, I think one of the reasons is the ability to be anonymous. And I don't mean, the next slide, I don't mean literally anonymous, because sometimes you are, and sometimes you're not. Um, so it can be literal or figurative. There's an, a certain sense of anonymity that is granted to you by being far apart from someone. So someone may have my name, but that doesn't really help them if they're in China, or for that matter, if they are in Rhode Island. I'm just a name to them. I can say things to them without fear of reprisal, without fear of them showing up on my doorstep, typically. And it gives me a freedom that I don't, don't normally have. I don't know who's at the other end. And so I can say things that I would never say in real life. It also gives an opportunity for people to deceive. I can deceive, I can, I can pretend to be someone I'm not. People can deceive me. It's kind of like, um, and this isn't my line, so I'll give this, uh, I don't want to take credit for this, but it's kind of like standing on a stage and talk with the lights in your eyes and you can't see who you're talking to, you're just saying things, and it's kind of like you're throwing things into a void. Only it's not a void. There are actually people there being hurt by what you're saying, and you just can't see them. So this sort of anonymity gives you the ability or the, yeah, the ability to, to do these things without not only fear of reprisal, but without sort of fear of self Without fear of self-correction. You don't have to worry about hurting people because you don't see it happen. Next slide. Let's go ahead move on from that. So there's this whole idea of acting anonymously. You're protected from exposure, but acting in secret isn't protecting you. The fact that you can say something without fear of being caught up by the person who's going to you're going to hurt is not really the issue. It's not even that you are hurting them. It's that you're hurting yourself. And C.S. Lewis talks about, it's hard to read, but therefore what really matters is these little marks or twists on the central inside part of your soul. These are the things that you do that corrupt your spirit, that slowly turn you into a different person. And these happen whether you are facing your, <laughs> um, your opponent or not. It doesn't matter if they can re, uh, come back at you. It doesn't matter if you see them. It is what you are doing that impacts you. And this kind of goes into the next piece. I'm going to go on to the next part, which is our Achilles heel. So why is this important? I'm going to go back to C.S. Lewis. Next slide. And I'm just going to read this. It's a little quiz. <laughs> So there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I've heard people admit that they are bad-tempered or that they cannot keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I have ever heard anyone accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I very seldom met anyone who has showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have of it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. So what's he talking about? Anyone? Pride. Thank you. <laughs> Next slide. He is talking about pride, which he calls the great sin. It was Satan's sin. 
It was the sin that made Satan fall. Sin, uh, Satan wanting to set himself equal to God. Everyone has it. Everyone hates it. And pride has no friends. By that I mean, if I'm a drunkard, I may enjoy hanging out with other drunkards and drinking. If I'm a gambler, I may go on gambling trips and go through any sin that I may have. And typically you can find pleasure in doing it with other people who are of the same ilk. A prideful man does not want to be around another prideful man. It is a solitary, lonely sin. Because it is a sin fundamentally of competition. That is the need to be better than others. And if there is someone else who also needs to be better than others, that means they need to be better than you, and you are in competition. So pride is this terrible sin that we all suffer from. We all tend to um, deny it, and yet we all have it. We want to tear down others, and we want to puff ourselves up. Next slide. So social media is the proud person's utopia. It is almost custom designed to feed our pride. We can count our followers, we can count our friends, we can count our likes, we can see how we stack up to against other people. We have the opportunity to actually even turn that into money if we want. Next slide. The more followers you have, the more you need to get their attention. And the more you need to get their attention, the more radical things you need to do. And again, remember, you are not in a place where you are gonna be held accountable for the things you do. So you can attack those you perceive as threats to our primacy. So if someone looks like they're getting more, <laughs> more followers than I am, we can, we can attack them and, and um, build myself up. And we are encouraged to do outrageous things to draw attention to ourselves. So social media is a great little cauldron for promoting this in ourselves. Next slide. The other thing is that when I talked about people, you know, echo chambers, well, in social media, it is really easy to find an echo chamber. If I were to stand on the streets of Pflugerville and talk about how I hate people from Rhode Island, people would give me kind of an odd look and probably walk on by and call me crazy. There might be, you know, someone who had a bad experience in Rhode Island, maybe they wouldn't let him in the state because it was full or something, and so they'll honk at me and say, you know, yeah, go, um, that's about it. I go online, I can find people who hate Rhode Island just as much as I do, and we can talk about that all day long. So there is a perfect little incubator for my hatred. Even my basest thoughts can find people who have share, I can find people who share my basest thoughts. So, social, next slide, social media teaches us, very explicitly, to want more followers, to crave more attention, to want to compete with others, to want to tear down others, and to want to value our own worst tendencies. There's very little to gain by doing the right thing. So, for how, many, how often have you seen a Twitter feud that has ended in, hey, you know what? Let's stop dragging everyone else through the mud. Let's take this offline. We'll have a conversation and just hash this out. Like, that's not the point. The whole point is to do this publicly, to shame people publicly. And again, this is designed 
almost, almost purposely, it would seem, to feed our own pride. So let's move on. Lastly, isolation. Well, next slide. You can get pretty much anything you need online. And even in the company of others, social media intends people to, uh, encourages people to withdraw. I think all of us have been in a room in someone's presence while they've been texting. In fact, if you've been with me, you've probably seen me do that. It's a very natural thing to do. Uh, just a sec, let me, this is, this is more important than you, because that's what I'm saying. Let me attend to this more important thing and then I'll get back to you when I've got nothing better to do. People will say, we'll sit around a table and they'll say, oh yeah, we're, we're just sitting with the, with the phones and we're kind of texting, we're doing our thing. No, but we're sharing, we're being together, it's okay. And yeah, yeah, I get it. But again, watching a cat video is no substitute for an actual conversation. And, the, and sharing each other with each other little tidbits that you find online as humorous items may be fine. But it is not the same thing as having a meaningful conversation about the world, life, God, love, your heart, your pain. These are the things that we need to take advantage of. I, there's, I remember um, very specifically going to dinner with, a, with another couple, my wife and I, and we're at dinner at a, at a restaurant where we're paying for food and, and effectively paying to spend time with these people. And both of them are sitting there on their cell phones texting with their kids throughout the entire meal. Just like, hang on, this is really important. Okay, right, so. It encourages us in terms of isolation. Social media encourages us or certainly enables us to step back from social interaction, from face-to-face -face interaction, and be more distant from each other. And you can say, oh, no, I had lunch with Bob. Oh, what did you talk about? Well, we didn't really talk. We kind of just had lunch in the same table. So, uh oh, next slide. So I have some takeaways. There's good and bad about social media, and I want to not lose sight of that. Social media has the power and has transformed people's lives in amazing ways for the better. It has also destroyed people's lives and continues to do so. So social media has changed how we interact with the world to an enormous degree, and there are huge benefits to its appropriate use. Next slide. It also provides us with an incredible temptation. Temptation to turn inwards and focus on ourselves instead of focusing on the people around us. To feed our own sense of self-gratification, our pride. We have the opportunity to belittle, offend, or even just ignore others. And it certainly has the ability to exhaust our time. So, I'm gonna talk about a few, and who am I to say? I, you know, no one. Um, I did go online, I've talked to people, I've said, okay, so what are some rules that you think are viable for social media? So I'm gonna talk about some rules to live by. And again, you can take these for what you want. Um, there was actually, we had these little stickers we were gonna give people, Alan said, hey, you might wanna give these, it's a, um, you can fast from social media and say, hey, you know, I haven't used social media for a week, and honestly, I don't know if that's the right answer. I'm not saying that everyone should fast. Um, come back to that in just a minute. But there are a couple rules. And the first is to remember that the internet is forever. Kai, who just got denied entrance into college because of something he did when he was 13, 
Well, it comes back to haunt him. I actually Googled myself when I was preparing for this, and I found a paper that I'd written in graduate school 25 years ago online. I had no idea. <laughs> like, you have, no, you have no idea how these things live on. So, when you put something, when you type something, whether it's an instant message to a friend, which is gonna show up at a college admissions office or a job opportunity. Oh, by the way, I've been reading resumes this week. We're hiring at my office. And yes, I absolutely go to their social media and see what they've said. Because honestly, if I wanna see how someone be reacts and how someone is going to behave in the workplace, why not go and look and see what they do and how they, how they re behave in it and react. And don't, please don't tell me. And I've had HR people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like, well, that's ridiculous because they're gonna show up in the office and do that. So, so yes, I absolutely want to know. So if you think, and I don't know what Brian, Brian's probably tearing his hair out in the back. Brian's an HR professional. I'm sorry. I do that. Okay. <laughs> so Brian is an HR professional. He does this for a living. And yes, he goes to social media. Do not think that you can post a snarky comment about your friend and no one's ever going to see it again. It will live forever and people will see it. Think about that before you, you post something. One of the things, well, I'll get to this in a minute. Um, Okay, so remember the internet is forever. Rule number two, don't isolate yourself. If you're talking to someone, talk to them. Like actually set aside time to have real conversations. You know, there are all these things you can do. So you put your, so the, the answer to the dinner conversation texting thing is you put your phones in the center of the room and the first person to pick it up pays for dinner. Just try that for, you know, that'll happen once or twice and then you won't do that again. <laughs> but the point is, give yourself over to it. Give yourself over to your friend and say, I, to, for the next it drives me crazy when, when I'm talking to someone and the phone rings and they look at the phone and okay, I get they want to make sure it's not an emergency, that's fine. But someone says, oh, okay, I gotta take this. Well, okay, it's, I understand. It's more important than I am. And that, you, you know, your, your kid could be in the hospital, it could be in a number, any one of a number of things. I hope that's what it is because that's what you're telling someone when you suddenly prioritize the text message you just received that you have to respond to right now over the conversation you're having. So, don't isolate yourself, be in the moment. Um, there's a slide here. <laughs> right. So let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So take this opportunity when you're with someone to actually encourage them and not just send them a cat video. Okay, next rule. Don't violate someone's privacy. This has nothing really to do with, well, there, there are some scripture verses I think I've got here. But honestly, um, keep in mind that the fact that you know something about someone does not mean that everyone else in the world is supposed to know someone about them. Please ask them if they want, uh, next slide. Ask them if they want, uh, if it's okay if you share a photo with them. This, incidentally, by the way, one of the things I hate most about preaching, uh, and, and so as an elder here, let me back up and say, I, I think it's very important that we be able to preach, that elders, the Bible says, elders must be able to uh, preach the word of God. It's important. I really hate that there's going to be videos of me and photos of me and all the rest of the stuff on websites. I just, well, that's part of the cost. However, if you're with a friend and you take their photo, don't just post it. Ask them if that's okay. Again, it's a privacy thing. Um, there are some scripture verses on that, which I, um, no, I didn't put in here, but there are things about like not tearing down your neighbor and not, so I think we all get that. Next rule, don't live in an echo chamber. It's way too easy. Go looking for other points of view. If you're in a chat room and you, with people that you agree with, go to the other chat room and see what they're saying. Maybe it will help you understand where they're coming from because as Jake so 
eloquently said, and it was actually part of my sermon, there is not a person on earth that God does not love. The people in that other chat room, God loves them deeply. Understand them. Very few people are born evil. They, they have a point of view, and sometimes you can actually see how they got to that point of view. You may still disagree, but it's important to understand. And if you don't even understand how they got to that point of view, well, at least you'll understand what their plan of attack is, and you can be ready for it. So just spend time with the other points of view. Next slide. And this is important. Don't pollute yourself. Go to the next slide, please. Choose your words carefully, and don't dishonor yourself or God. There's so much, so much scripture here. I just picked one, which is, it is not what enters the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles a man. It is what you say that contaminates you. It is what you do. It is not what you eat or where you live or what you do for a living. It is what, how you act, what you speak and what you do. And when you talk to someone, what is your goal? Is your goal to make them look stupid, to make them feel stupid, to get more followers of your own, or is it to convince them of a different point of view? And if it's the latter, then you're probably not going to do well by insulting them. Talk to them, understand them, and try to I, I want to say meet them. Um, there are people you can't meet with that, that you're just too far apart from. It doesn't mean you can't try to understand where they are and you can't love them. Next slide. So these are classic. <laughs> Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are, let that run through your head when you're about ready to post your blasting response to someone because they said they didn't like your photo or they don't like your political party. Is this admirable? Next slide, please. Don't let it steal your time. That's the last thing I'm gonna say. Now I get to use my MacGuffin. This isn't my um, demo. Someone else showed me this and it was um, arresting to me. Alan talked a few weeks ago about having a uh, big, huge coil of rope, and people have just at the end, there's a little piece wrapped in tape, and they're really focused on that big, you know, that little piece, and that is your life. That is how long you have compared to eternity, with or without God, and people are really, really wrapped up in just this little end of the rope, and that is true. We need to be focused on eternity. We need to be thinking about our future, our lives, and I would say that if you are a thinking person of any type, and you think that there is the smallest shred of a possibility that there is a God, or that, forget God, that there is an existence beyond this life, lifestyle, or lifestyle, beyond this lifespan, that to not spend any time thinking seriously about that is an astonishing mistake. It's an illogical one. If you are not 100% certain that your life does not end, when you pass away, I urge you to devote, oh, I don't know, an hour a week in church. Go to different churches, go to different faiths, read philosophy, spend some time thinking about 
the future and what that might look like and, and what that would mean and how you would react to it. Because it is the big coil of rope that's important. However, we have been given a lifespan. It's not that long, so this is a yardstick, it's 36 inches. And if we consider that the average lifespan is about 80 years, then if you're 20 years old, that's gone. And you're here. And if you're 30 years old, that's gone. And now you're here. And if you're my age, this is what I've got left. I would encourage you to use your time wisely. And I'm not saying you can't watch a funny video. What I'm saying is you can't just watch funny videos. Please invest some time in thinking about the things that really might matter, like eternity. Because it's, it's funny, I heard Bill Gates once say, church seems like a bad use of one's time. And I thought it was an astonishing thing for someone who is um, technically minded to say, because if eternity is true, then that's a division by zero. Then the time invested there has an infinite return, not zero. I don't have that much left in the big scheme of things. I, I may have much less, who knows? I'm hoping I can squeeze this out a little. But um, the point is, there is an end. And God knows when that is, and I don't. And I am not using my time very well if I am dissipating it, doing things that don't matter. So that would be my final charge to you. I hope that what has come out of this is, yeah, social media is with us. It is an incredibly powerful thing that has incredible advantages. I don't want to call the uh, worship team back up, I'm sorry. Um, it has some incredible advantages. It can dramatically improve people's lives. It allows them to report reality to people who otherwise wouldn't know what's going on in the world. It can let people intervene in their lives at critical moments. And it can destroy lives, and often does. And we need to be very careful about how we interact with social media and think about how God would like us to be interacting. Does he want us to be crushing that person online? Does he want us to be spending all of this time doing things that are not really that useful in the big scheme of things? Or does he want us to be using social media as a, sort, as a, as a, as a form of good in the world? So obviously, I think he would rather us do the latter. So again, I'm much more comfortable doing expository preaching, but I'm hoping that this was useful in some way. Thank you very much for listening.